This morning, the gospel reading is from Luke 2, verse 21. And as we read this scripture, I want to remind you that this is the continuation of the Christmas story. The shepherds have gone home. The angels have relaxed. It's, it's calmer now. And yet, we continue on with this beautiful, beautiful story of Jesus. So I'm reading from Luke 21, 2, 21, and this is in the NIV. Eight days later, at the baby's circumcision ceremony, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel before he was even conceived. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning. Merry Christmas again. Thank you all so much for having me here this morning. And, you know, I'm going to need your help just a little bit because I always get dismissed with the kids. So now actually everything after that point is a mystery to me. So if I mess up, say something wrong, do something wrong, order, please just let me know. Keep me straight. Um, I appreciate that help. Uh, I pray everyone had a great Christmas. I saw some of my kiddos this morning. They all acknowledge that they had a great one. They seemingly got everything on their list. So this is good. It's hard to believe that this is the last Sunday of 2019. Um, I don't know about all of you, but this year has just flown by. And here we are, sitting at the end of yet another year and approaching a new one into 2020. Now, how many of you already know that like every company and church in America is going to be like our 2020 vision, perfect vision, and I mean, we're, just get ready for it because it's just going to be everywhere. But we are still in 2019. We have a few days left. And as I was planning this message, I thought to myself, what better way to end the year with the ending of the birth story. And this thought led me into our passage today of Luke 2.21, which is a, it's a quick and seemingly subtle verse, just kind of insignificant in a hinge in between stories where we end with the shepherds uh, leaving the stable in this miraculous birth and looking upon Jesus and being so amazed that they go and tell the whole town of what they have just seen and witnessed and that they were amazed and then we have the next part of our story where Jesus goes to the temple. It's almost like Luke needed a transition statement to get us from the stable and the, and the manger in Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem. And so he says, the, the, Mary and Joseph brought him eight days later and named him Jesus. The child was named Jesus. Without meaning to state the obvious, we all have names. I mean, raise your hand if you don't. Oh, oh come on. Don't be cheeky. <laughs> we all have names, whether they were given to us by our parents or we changed our name or something that we prefer to be, to be called, maybe a nickname. But the fact of the matter is, it's a universal commonality that we all have. We all have names. And names are important. They suggest a certain meaning. They suggest a certain connotation, maybe even a certain affiliation. Maybe you were named after someone important in your family. Maybe your name has some meaning behind it for a family member or a really good friend of your parents. Or maybe your parents named you the very thing just because of the meaning that your name holds. And that was so dear and precious to them. 
Names are important. They're how we are recognized. They are how we are called. They are how we are, are talked to. They are absolutely important. Now, when I was thinking about names and how important they are, I thought to myself about when Craig and I were naming our own children and how we just, oh my goodness, we're going back and forth, back and forth. We started with the list this long and then we started truncating it and it started coming down. And what was so important to us was the meaning behind our children's name, what their name stood for. And so during this conversation, though, we had some really hilarious moments of, well, we can't name her that because what about that nickname they're going to come up with in school? And I'm not going to go into specifics because if you're named that and you were bullied with that, I don't want to call you out here in this morning, okay? That's not what this is all about. But we, we went into great detail about what we were going to name our, our children, as I'm sure you all did, naming your children, as I'm sure your parents did too. And as I was thinking about names, a phrase stuck out to me. If any of you remember, maybe junior high or high school, I can't remember which it was, uh, English literature class, and you had to maybe read the William Shakespeare story of Romeo and Juliet. And the main argument of the plot is two feuding families, the Capulets and the Montagues, namely the son of the Montague family, Romeo, and the daughter of the Capulet family, Juliet. And in Juliet's famous speech on the balcony, we all probably know it, she's wrestling with this idea of their names getting in the way of their love. And the question William Shakespeare puts in the mouth of his character, Juliet, is, what's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. What's in a name? We were, God even put so much thought into the name that God was going to give to God's son. Even more thought than we did as parents to our children. Before we reached our passage today, over a little over nine months earlier, the angel Gabriel tells Mary to name her son Jesus. Jesus. From the depths of heavenly wisdom, Jesus' name is given. It means the Lord saves. What's in a name? Nothing less than the revealing of God. It is the start of a new salvation. It is the most hopeful of names. God does not waver on God's promises, even in the name given to God's son, Jesus. God's promise comes true in the Savior that is his son, Jesus. Now, since we hear it from the angel Gabriel, notice how no one utters it again. Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her to name her son Jesus, and yet even when the angels appear to the shepherds, they call Jesus the Lord, the Messiah. No one utters the name. We might not think too much of this scenario in our verse today. For Mary and Joseph, as they're approaching the temple, this was custom. But naming their baby Jesus was another act of obedience to God. I think sometimes we take it for granted, the story of Mary and Joseph and how obedient they were. I want us to think about the example that they set for us today. All the way from the annunciation of Gabriel to Mary, this totally messed up her life. She had a completely different picture of what her life was going to be. She was engaged. She was about to start her own family and her own life and her own home. And she was going to, about to embark upon this great journey into adulthood, a rite of passage. And all of a sudden, this angel appears to her 
and completely messes up the schedule 100% by announcing that she is going to be the mother of the Son of God. I think we take for granted how obedient Joseph and Mary were. These were not subtle, small requests. These were huge. These were amazing. These were world-changing. And so it is that they were obedient all the way from the Annunciation to the marriage of Joseph still marrying Mary, even though she was expecting a child that was not his own, all the way to being faithful to journeying to Bethlehem, the long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem for the tax. And now here we are, another moment of obedience. It might seem normal that they would just listen and name their son Jesus, but back then, names were just as important as they, were now, as they are now. And people would name their children for their families, for themselves, for their parents, or a name that was very, very dear to their line, the line of David. And so here we are, that they are in the temple and they have a choice to make. They don't have to name him Jesus. They choose to name him Jesus. They choose to be obedient unto God's every command. They do not waver. They agree to be a part of this plan from the beginning, and here they are at the temple. They bestow the name of Jesus on the eight-day-old baby. Historically, Jews did not name their children until eight days. It's tradition. We have a couple of uh, thought patterns as to why they might not, but for whatever reason, they do not, they wait until their eighth day when they bring their babies to be dedicated in the temple of the Lord. And if the infant was a boy like Jesus, this is when he would be circumcised. This was Jesus' first bloodletting. It is not until the time, this moment, that his name is given and spoken at this very time, Jesus. The significance of this moment would not even be realized until 33 years later when he gave his blood for the world, and is crucified for many. Jesus, the Lord, saves. What does it mean for the Lord to save? It means God is willing to die for us. What is in a name? Jesus' name means that salvation has come to the world. Now, the Lord is all of our salvation, and I want to share my salvation story here for a few minutes, if I may. Craig and I hadn't, well, let's see, I'll speak for myself here. <laughs> I won't bring you into it. I hadn't set foot in a church in 10 years for my own personal reasons. Now, I had grown up in a Christian home, dedicated my, to my life to the Lord when I was five, and I grew up in a great family environment, going to church on and off. For a number of reasons, my life changed when I was 13, and I didn't set foot back into a church until I was 23. Not that I forgot about God or renounced my faith, but I was going to do life on my own because I had the strength and I knew everything. So here we are, we, have, we get married, and we have this beautiful baby girl sitting in the front row here, Victoria, and we decide, you know, we should probably be good parents and start going to church again because it's the right thing to do. And we want our child to be raised up with good morals and good values. So we pick a random church in our town of Rochester, Minnesota at the time. My two girls were born at Mayo Clinic. And we started attending, and we attended for three years. In the meantime, Eleanor is born, and we sat back in the left-hand corner, unrecognized, stayed out of the spotlight for three and a half years, until one day, our pastor was preaching just like he did every Sunday. And he was preaching a sermon about forks in the road of life and how we have these decisions to make. We can either go down our road 
and bring God along with us, or we can go down God's road and let God lead the way. And I realized at that moment, and the Holy Spirit just hit me like a ton of bricks, and I realized that that's exactly what I had been doing. I had been going down my own path, doing what I wanted to do, and just saying, God, come on, come on, God, just come along with me. Just honor and bless everything that I want to do. And right there and then, I met the Lord face to face, and God became so incredibly real to me that I was transformed forever. Now, I'd already given my life but I really gave my life that day. I said to God, I choose you and I'm never looking back. And that was almost eight years ago and my husband and I have been in church ministry ever since and God has led us on a path that some would call a roller coaster of moving and changing and being in, trying to be faithful and obedient every step of the way and moving to strange places where we don't know anybody, namely Seattle. And, uh, and God has led us every step of the way. And our pastor told us, if you trust God, God will take you on the most amazing journey of your life and you will never regret it. And we have never regretted it. Now that day, Jesus' name to me was Redeemer. Jesus' name to me was Savior. Jesus' name to me was forgiver. Jesus' name to me was transformer because my heart was transformed forever that day. What is in a name? Complete redemption. Fast forward now to just, la just this past November, as some of you might know that I had to have emergency surgery. I woke up on a Friday morning. It was a life-threatening uh, situation that I was in, and I had to get to the hospital Craig dropped me off. I mean, we have four kids, you know, so two of them were at school. He had the youngest. He had to drop me off. I was sitting in the hospital room by myself, and the doctor gave me the prognosis and said, we have to get you back to the OR right now. I said, my husband's not here. I'm alone. They said, we have no choice. We have to get you back now. So I called Craig, and I said, as much as I could say over the phone, and we prayed together over the phone, and as I hung up, I said, Jesus, I need you now. And God's promise has always said, I will never leave you. God, Emmanuel, means God with us, meaning God with us in every single circumstance that we have, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that Jesus was right there with me, weeping like I was weeping, but so faithful to show me his presence in that time. I kept telling the doctors and nurses, please take good care of me. I have four kids and a husband. <laughs> they need me, but more important, I need them. And I felt this amazing peace come over me before I went under that is unexplainable. That I knew without a shadow of a doubt that I was going to come through this and that I was going to see my family again and that I was going to be whole and healthy. And it's unexplainable. I just knew because Jesus was with me. What is in a name? Healer, comforter, peace, Emmanuel. God was with me. God is with all of us. God's name means truth. God's name means never leaving us. As we get back to our story today, we're here at the temple, and this is a seemingly mundane set of circumstances. It was an everyday occurrence that a mother, a father, would bring their child, infant, to the temple to be dedicated to the Lord and all of a sudden, we see heaven and earth collide in this amazing scene that we come up to next. Both Simeon and Anna are prophets of the Lord. And they are sitting in the temple 
just like they do every day, praying, worshiping, praising the Lord. And they all of a sudden see in the distance Mary and Joseph coming with Jesus. And for, un, for strange reasons that we do not even know, Simeon gets up and is filled with the Holy Spirit and starts, grabs the baby. I mean, imagine this scenario. Hopefully he asked for permission beforehand. But I mean, imagine the scenario that you're carrying your baby and this man comes up to you and says, oh, your baby, and just grabs him and says, this is God's salvation. Amazing. Simeon's song that comes up next, which we're not going to get into all the details because we could do whole sermons on Simeon and Anna's songs and prophecies. But we hear a couple more names of Jesus called in Simeon's song. God's salvation and a light for the Gentiles. This portion of Simeon's song reveals a few very important details about Jesus' name and mission. Jesus is going to be the conduit for salvation, the promised one, the Messiah they have been awaiting so long. Jesus will be the plan that finally works to reconcile God's creation back to God. And through this salvation plan, God is going to save all people, the Jews and the Gentiles, most of you and me. Jesus, the Messiah, came for all people. Now, this plan had been echoed throughout the Old Testament through prophets, that this Messiah would come for all people, including Jews and Gentiles alike. But this is the first time that we are hearing it since Jesus' birth. And Mary and Joseph must have been amazed to hear all that their son was going to accomplish, saving the world. This would have been a huge deal, huge theological implications that God, the God of Israel, was coming to save. Not only the Jews were his chosen people, but to all people, to everyone, to you and to me, so that we could experience this salvation too. Jesus was going to be lifted on high for the entire world, not just the Jews. What's in a name? Jesus' name is the way from death to life. And then Luke continues his narrative. As Mary and Joseph happen upon a prophetess, Anna, this section parallels Simeon, and Simeon and Anna are equal counterparts, both male and female, and, and represent the best that Israel has to offer, the faithful ones of Israel. And Anna cannot help but start proclaiming Christ to all around her. What's in a name? Jesus' name spurs on excitement, anticipation, wonder, and mystery. The child Jesus draws a crowd to himself and the infant causes prophets and prophetesses to proclaim the Lord's purposes to all who will hear. Simeon and Anna both lived their lives in anticipation of meeting the Christ. But here they are sitting in a set of mundane circumstances in the temple just like every day. But because they had that attitude and that heart of anticipating meeting the Lord, they were ready. They were ready to meet the Lord. I want to challenge all of us, myself, this church, especially into this new year, anticipate meeting Jesus every single day. Because Jesus is in all things. Jesus is in the mundane, the common, the ordinary set of life. God is with you when you're folding laundry or when you're walking the street, when you're grabbing your Starbucks, when you're teaching in front of a classroom, when you're answering a phone at the reception desk. God is with us in every single moment of the ordinary, and that ordinary can become extraordinary because when we're looking for Jesus, we see Jesus. 
Simeon and Anna are huge examples of this to us here today, of sitting, doing what they do every single day. But because they had hearts of anticipation, they met the Lord that day. How many times, how many days do, that go by that we feel like we don't meet Jesus because we're not looking for Jesus? I want us to consider this not in an eschatological sense or in the second coming, although we do need to be ready for that. I want us to consider meeting Jesus in the everyday. Looking for him in your interactions and conversations. Meeting Jesus in the stranger and the friend. Anticipating that Jesus is going to show up because if we look for Jesus, we will find Jesus because he is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is among us always. If we begin to look for Jesus and have those encounters every day, then we will start being those encounters for others because we will see Jesus in that moment and we will know how to respond and to reach all those around us in the moment that God wants us to use us the most. My hope and prayer is that we as a church in 2020 look for Jesus in ourselves, in this church, in this community, and reach this area with all those Jesus moments because we are anticipating it. We are anticipating big things. So I ask you, what's Jesus' name to you? What names has Jesus been to you in 2019? And what names do you anticipate Jesus being to you in 2020? Maybe you need him to be your provider. Maybe you need him to be your guide. Maybe you need him to be your comforter as you go through hard times. The thing of it is, we do not know what this year is going to bring. I was actually going to name this sermon To Be Continued. Because as we end one year, we are in a holding pattern. We are in a cliffhanger, so to speak, of to be continued for next year. None of us know exactly what we're going to encounter this year. Sometimes it might be hard. It might be sickness or illness or surgeries. It might be amazing. It might be God opening doors that you never thought God would open. But the fact of the matter is that tomorrow is not even guaranteed. Now, we can't really live like that because let me tell you, when I had the surgery and I came out I was like, oh, that's it, that's it, I'm going to be the best parent ever, the best wife ever, the best pastor ever, like, I'm never going to mess up again, thank you, God. And guess how long that lasted? I mean, not even a day. <laughs> because even as much as we strive, even as much as we go through these hard things, we want to become better people out there for it. We're like, we're going to change. And yes, there's many ways that we can change, and we do change. But we can't live every day like it's the last. It's just too much pressure. Our minds cannot even think that way. They're not even wired to think of, our, of how finite we are. They're not wired to think of our mortality daily and to think, oh man, we might not wake up tomorrow. Our minds don't think that way and God doesn't want us to think that way. So I hope that you are not hearing that today, that we need to live every day to be perfect or we have to live every day like there is no tomorrow. But all God wants is obedience. Just simple little obedience like Naming your son, Jesus. That's all God asks for each and every day. We don't know what's going to happen this year in 2020. It's going to be ups. It's going to be downs. Hopefully, it's going to be more ups than downs. It can be a year of growth. It can be a year of excitement. But most of all, I wish and I hope for it to be a year of anticipation for us to meet 
God every single day in those who we encounter, in those who are around us, and even in ourselves. The one thing that we know to be true is that Jesus is going to be with us through it all because the word tells us. Let's hear some of these names. In 1 John 2, Jesus is the advocate. In Hebrews 12, he is the alpha and perfecter. In Revelation 1, he is the almighty. In Revelation 22, he is the alpha and omega. In Matthew 28, he is the authority of God. In John, he is the bread of life. In Matthew 3, he is the beloved son of God. In Matthew 9, he is the bridegroom. In John 10, he is the good shepherd. In Ephesians 4, he is the head of the church. He is the great I am. He is our comforter. He is our judge. He is the king of kings. He is the lamb of God. He He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the holy one of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the prince of peace. He is Christ the Lord, and he is the name above all names. There is no place Christ cannot get to, no chain he cannot break, no soul he cannot satisfy, no heart he cannot dwell, no situation he cannot navigate, no wound he cannot heal, and no void he cannot fill. Jesus is the name above all names. Amen. As you reach out looking ahead to this year, remember that. Remember that Jesus is all these things to you and more. Jesus can meet you in whatever situation, whatever valley or mountain that you are on or going through. Jesus is there, and his name is the name that you need. Would a rose smell any sweeter if it were called something other than a rose? Well, that sentiment may have worked for William Shakespeare. But for God, what's in a name? Everything. Everything. Jesus Christ is everything to us. Please pray with me.